to your mind when you hear those words? What emotions does that bring up within you? If only I had gotten that promotion. If only my child had made a better decision. If only the doctor had given me a different diagnosis. If only the car worked. And that, I'm going to pause there for a second because that's really funny this morning. Um, because my daughter was in a car accident on her way to church this morning. So, so the if onlys come when they least are expected, right? If only I had listened sooner. If only I had never said that. If only I had spent more time or less time or more money or less money. If only. We live in a world that is focused on that question. Focused on what could have been. We see it every day. We hear it on the news. We hear it from our co-workers. We hear it from our spouse. We hear it from our children. That language of what could have been is so pervasive in our culture that it even translates into our spiritual lives as well. If only I read my Bible more. If only I had time to pray. If only I had listened to God. If only I had surrendered my life to him. What could have been if I let God have first place? What could have been? It doesn't bring up joyful memories or emotions. This phrase brings with it a feeling of guilt, regret, sadness, loss. John Greenleaf Whittier wrote, Of all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. The passage we're going to dive into today speaks this what could have been language. But the one that is doing the talking is not the one we expect. Psalm 81 was written by Asaph, who was one of King David's worship leaders. Asaph wrote this psalm for the purpose of calling all the nations together to worship during one of their sacred feasts. It was written for the Feast of the Tabernacles. This was a festival to remind the people of God how God provided for them as they wandered in the wilderness toward the promised land. And unlike other psalms that declare the amazing works of God, this psalm takes a more somber tone. This psalm is not only a reminder of what God did, but it is also a reminder of how the people responded to God. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? We'll be in Psalm chapter 81. Shout aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song 
Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our festal day. For it is a statute for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a voice I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress, you called, and I rescued you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their doom would last forever. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Did you hear the if only? One crying out, saying, if only, is none other than God himself. Did you hear him crying out, pleading with his people? If only you had. He repeats that phrase over and over throughout this passage. As we stated at the beginning, this psalm was intended to serve as a reminder to the people of God. Verses 1 through 5 are the reminder of who God is and what he has done. He journeyed with them through Egypt and to the promised land. He removed their burdens and oppressors. He heard their cries. He delivered them. Then in verse 6, the psalmist shifts from a remembrance of who God is and what he has done to what might have been if the nation had only listened and obeyed. When we read throughout scripture and read about the history of Israel, we hear of them constantly being in trouble and in captivity. They would follow God, then they would turn their back on him. This was a nation that had regrets. But it didn't have to be this way. Things could have been so much different if they had only listened to God. God had so much in store for them. He had a better life planned for them instead of what they had experienced. 
wanted to go their own way, down a path that would bring them pain and heartbreak. And what could have been. You see, God had some expectations for his people. We hear that in this passage. And if Israel had followed through, then God promised he would bless them. The expectation was simple. You shall have no other gods before me. He wanted them to be true to him and him alone. If they would follow God and God alone, he promised they would have all that God had to give. God is speaking out and he is making sure that his people understand that he is serious. He is crying out in verse 8 when he says, listen, dear ones, get this straight. Oh, Israel, don't take this lightly. He is crying out. Oh, my beloved people, listen to me. Here is what I want from you. But then he also tells them what he will do in return for their obedience. Verse 10 says, For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. God is not only talking about filling their human need for food here. God had already proven to the Israelites that he could fill their mouths with food. He provided manna and quail in the middle of the desert. He's talking about so much more. We read that in verse 16 when he says, But I will feed you with my spiritual bread. You will feast and be satisfied with me, feeding on my revelation truth like honey. God wants to give himself. And all Israel had to do was open themselves up to him. And the same is true for us. Whatever we do to open to God, he will fill. That's his promise. We cannot open our mouth bigger than he can fill. A.W. Tozer said, The degree of fullness in any life accords perfectly with the intensity of true desire. We have as much of God as we actually want. Hear that last line again. We have as much of God as we actually want. What a statement that is. We have as much of God as we actually want. So how much do you want God? How much do we want God? This psalm may have been written thousands of years ago, but it is completely relevant to us today. So we're going to dive in and take a deeper look. See, God called out to the people of Israel and said, here is what I want for you. 
to do. Here is the expectation. Here is the promise. Yet in the beginning of verse 8, we know Israel decided to choose a different path. And God tells Israel what they could have had as a lesson. He wanted them to make the commitment to full surrender and allow him to be first in their lives. This is a lesson for us as well. Do we want, if only, and what could have been to be our heart's cry? We can leave all of that behind and live into the future that God has for us. I think there are three things in here that show us how we do that. How do we leave behind the if-onlys and the what-could-have-beens and live into God's future? First, he's calling us to listen. Listen to God. In verse 8, God is still calling out to his people, not just to the people of Israel. He's calling out to us today, saying, Hear my people, my beloved people, listen to me. I have something to give you. But the sad thing is people fail to listen to God all the time. Speaking to the nation of Israel in verse 11, God says, but no, my people wouldn't listen to me. Israel didn't want me around. You see, the nation of Israel was notorious for spiritual deafness. Their ears were closed to God's voice. And friends, things haven't changed. Our society today is also guilty of spiritual deafness. People don't want to hear God's word. They don't want to hear about sacrifice and paying the cost. They don't want to hear about giving of themselves. They want to hear what they're going to get out of it. They don't want to hear about serving, but they want to know who's going to serve them. As we learn from this passage, God has a purpose and a desire and an amazing future in store for his people. But we will not be able to fully live into the future that God has for us if we are not listening to his voice. This was the great tragedy for the people of Israel. But it doesn't have to be ours. God is ready to pour out his abundant blessings upon us, ready to fill us to overflowing with himself. But he wants us to listen. He wants us to obey. He wants us to fully surrender. Listen to God. Surrender to God. God wanted his people 
to listen and surrender their lives to him. But they wanted something different. They wanted their own way. Is the same true for us? And what was God's response to the people not listening to him and wanting to be in control? We see that response in verse 12. So I freed them to follow their hard hearts, to do what they thought was best. You see, verse 12 reminds us that our God is not a God who is going to force his way. We have a choice. He gives us this choice out of love. He wants us to listen to him because we love him, not because we are forced to. He wants us to surrender to him out of love for him, not because we are forced to. G. Campbell Morgan says that this reveals a constant method of God with his disloyal and disobedient children. When they will not go his way, he lets them go their way. He permits them to learn by the bitter results of their own folly what he would have had them know by communion with himself. But throughout this passage, we hear God's heart for his people. Oh, that my people would once and for all listen to me and walk faithfully in my footsteps, following my ways. Do you hear his love? Do you hear his longing? We see this same longing again from Jesus in Matthew 23, 37, when Jesus looks over Jerusalem and says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. full surrender, but he's not going to force his way. And God continues in this passage to plead and plead and plead with his people, telling them over and over what could have been theirs if only they had listened and surrendered. But the sad thing is Israel wouldn't do it. And they continue to go back to doing things their own way. This isn't uh, isolated in this particular passage. We hear this throughout scripture, the same plea from God over and over. Isaiah 48, 18. I wish you would pay attention to my commands. If you did, peace would flow over you like a river. Holiness would sweep over you like the waves of the ocean. Exodus 32, 9, I have seen these people, the 
says to Moses, and they are stubborn. I think that passage could have been written today. These verses are so relevant. We are a stubborn people. And we want to go our own way. We want what we want right now. We want things to be done how we want them to be done. And we want a relationship with God on our terms. Not his. We'll follow him as long as he doesn't ask us too much. But he wants all of us. He wants total surrender. Nothing in between. He wants to have first place in our hearts. Which leads us to the third lesson. Listen to God. Surrender to God. And worship God. Verse 1 says, Sing with joy to God our strength, our fortress. Raise your voices to the God of Jacob. Verse 9, do not surround yourselves with other gods or bow down to strange gods. You see, the people of Israel had forgotten who they were to worship. They had allowed other gods to sneak in and take the place of the one true God. You could say they had God who they worshipped on Sundays, well, for them on Saturdays, in church. And they had their idols that they worshipped throughout the rest of the week. Has anything really changed? Isn't the same thing happening today? We show up on Sunday to do our church duty, but throughout the rest of the week, we serve our own idols that we have created. Money, power, security, family, sports, our schedule. We are our biggest idol. And we get in the way of God and what he wants to do in our lives. In the book of Haggai, you read of a people who put themselves first above God. They made sure their houses were nicely decorated, but meanwhile, the house of God lay desolate. They met at church every Sabbath, but that temple was run down. They did their duty, and then they ran back home and worship themselves. A heart like that is a disloyal heart. Such a heart does not surrender to God because it is surrendering to self. It's not going to listen to God because it's listening to self. And a heart divided leads us on the path of regret and away from the life that God intended for us to have. 
worship Him and Him alone. And we can't worship, as the scripture says, in spirit and in truth if we don't know the truth. If we're not listening to the truth, if we're not spending time with the truth, if we're not surrendering to the truth, not the truth we want to hear, but the truth of God's word. Worship, true worship, is a response to divine truth. We should break out into worship when we hear the truth of what God has done in the lives of those that we bump into. It should cause us to worship. We should break out into worship because he has rescued us from sin and death. We have the opportunity to have eternal life with him. That should cause us to worship. He has relieved us from the burden of guilt that we used to carry. He has saved us from sin. Shouldn't that fill our hearts with gladness? And shouldn't that make us respond in praise and service? True worship? Yes, it should. If truly deep down it means something to us. If that is what is filling our hearts. If we are listening to him and surrendered to him. If we are allowing him to fill our hearts. Then we'll find ourselves living for him and obeying him. And what is the result? We will enjoy the life that God has intended for us. Let's go back and remember when this song was written. It was written for one of the major events on the Jewish calendar. It's easy for us to think about listening to God and surrendering to God and worshiping God during our extraordinary days. Christmas, Easter, Lent, Advent. But what do we do in the ordinary days? There's a wonderful truth in this passage that no matter how many times you feel you have let God down, no matter how badly you think you have failed him this time, Jesus is right there saying, today is a new day. My grace is sufficient. I want to fill you, fill you to overflowing. I want to give you more of myself than you can handle more of my love, more of my grace, more of my mercy, more of me than you could ever even begin to comprehend. But I want to give to you 
worship. This psalm was a call to Israel and a call to us to recommit our lives to the one who is faithful, even when we are faithless. Even when we don't love him fully in return, he pours out his love on us. It is a call for us to return to the one who gave himself up for us, even when we didn't deserve it. This is the God who is calling. This is the God who wants to fill you. This is the God who is worthy of our worship and surrender. Israel's story does not have to be our story. Israel's if-onlys could be a lesson for us that can turn us into living fully for Christ. Leaving the if-onlys behind begins when we live a life that listens to God, is fully surrendered to God, and worships God and God alone. As the worship team is coming, we're going to spend the next few moments in silence. Use this quiet space and ask God to search your heart. Maybe there are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Do I really want to live into all that God has for me? Am I willing to let go of what I want? Am I ready to fully surrender my life to God? Am I tired of living in the what could have been? Am I giving God first place in my life? Where am I not listening to him? Where am I not surrendered? Is he the one I worship? Or is he sharing my attention with other things? What are we building our life on? Is it built on regret and the what could have been? Or is it built in Christ? As always, these altars are open. If you need to come and kneel before God, as you pray today, the space is available. But let's not leave here today until we have settled this with God. Let's leave the could-have-beens behind. We can learn a lot from a group of people who lived thousands of years ago. Israel's story doesn't have to be our story. We don't have to live a life asking the question, what could have been? sins, to fill us with his goodness and his life and his love 
mission has never changed. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He'll help you figure out the rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is new to us every time we crack it open. You have something new that you want to say to us each and every day. Lord, today as we ponder this word, would you help us to fully surrender our lives to you? Would you help us to turn away from the if-onlys and the what-could-have-beens and say, I choose to live into the life that Christ has for me, fully and completely, no turning back. Help us to listen. Give us courage to surrender. And give us hearts that are so full of worship that we just can't help but to share it with others. May all of this be to your honor and glory, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may we go, and may 